Welcome to That's Agritastic, the show that celebrates the scope and diversity of agriculture across the country. I'm Pete Emmons, your host. Today, we're going inside Ohio aquaculture. Our special guest is Ashton Chen of the Ocean's Friend LLC Farm and Ashton Seafood of Columbus, Ohio. And Ashton is also a trustee of the Ohio Aquaculture Association. Hey, Ashton, welcome to the show. Hey, Pete, great to be on your show again. Hey, I know that you have a lot happening right now, especially with a startup of your seafood restaurant and, and store as well. So I really appreciate your taking time and your professional talent and really looking forward to getting into our discussion here today. So before we get into our main topic, we always like to have a little discussion, some fun facts to get to know you a little bit better. It's been a while since you and I have talked, a couple of years, I believe. But I know that you are actually a graduate of the University of Southern California. Yeah, that's correct. I graduated with a bachelor in biochemical engineering, uh, and uh, it was a lot of fun out there in the sunshine. I, I, I know we would love that right now in Ohio, seeing what we have. I, I am sure. Now, after you graduated, uh, you started working in the uh, chemical engineering field, I believe, uh, and then something along the way triggered your interest and in spark into aquaculture. When did that happen? And what's the story there? Well, the trigger in aquaculture interest really started uh, my junior year of college doing research. Um, but, uh, you know, I kind of balanced both when my career took off, uh, being in charge of a chemical plant out in Baltimore, Maryland, and then doubling back and uh, starting the farm in Ohio. So every day, it was every week, it was Monday through Thursday, working in Baltimore, Maryland, and driving back the five hours to work on the farm. And the farm just blossomed, and uh, uh, that drive was no longer needed. So... I came back to Ohio full time. There you go. And know your, your, your parents, your folks, very, very involved from the get-go too, right? Yes. Uh, we're originally from Ohio. I was born in Ohio. We have Chinese restaurants in Ohio. Um, and Ohio's just uh, the home state for us. There you go. Hey, and in 2015, you, along with your folks, opened Ohio's first saltwater shrimp farm. Major accomplishment right there. Right. Uh, we started back home in Cambridge, Ohio, a small town of 10,000 people. And then uh, we made it to Zanesville, which is under 50,000. And then now we have our current headquarters in Patasla, which is a suburb of Columbus. And Columbus, is, it's almost 3 million people now, believe it or not. So every year it's been bigger. Now, how, how large is the farm in terms of acreage and that sort of thing? Uh, we don't count it by acreage. Uh, since we produce everything indoors, we do it by square footage of production space. So it's about 23,000 square foot of production space right now. Very good. You know, when I think when we talk about uh, aquaculture, and you're talking about agriculture in general, I don't think that John Q. Public necessarily fully appreciates and understands the significance, the true scope of how important aquaculture is right now. Is that a fair assumption? That's a pretty fair assessment, um, especially in the United States. 93% of our seafood is still imported. Um, we we want to support domestic farmers, uh, fish farmers, and fishermen as much as possible. And uh, aquaculture is going to be a big story moving forward. I know we just got a $200 million investment to build a salmon farm in Toledo. Um, everyone's investing a lot of money in uh, building these uh, fish farms because the ocean can only do so much. Uh, we've overfished it over polluted it 
uh, it's time that uh, a lot of it's going to be land based. And you you basically answered a lot of what the next question that I was going to ask you, and that is simply what are the primary reasons why this is continuing to evolve and become increasingly more significant? Uh, all of those things that you just mentioned, any other factors entering into it? Um, there's just a lot of interest uh, uh, into this industry. Uh, people really think it will be the next internet, the internet boom. Uh, but you, you see all these companies, I know North Aqua Farms, uh, I, I'm, I know of them that they're spending $1.5 billion with a B on three salmon farms, uh, two in Maine and one in California. So uh, they realize people are not going to stop eating seafood uh, and we got to find a more sustainable source and supply for it. And certainly given the projections and the forecast of how the population is going to continue to explode uh, going forth, that certainly would add into everything too. Well, let's move, right. into, let's move into Ohio aquaculture. Now, how large has the industry actually grown today in the state of Ohio? In Ohio, we farm 28 different species of fish and crustaceans. Uh, so that includes crayfish and shrimp. Um, and for the most part, it, it's stayed steady. Uh, I believe it's the third most productive uh, aquaculture re, uh, state uh, in the country. Um, a lot of it is heavy on tilapia, yellow perch, uh, and freshwater shrimp uh, and crayfish. So there's a lot of diversity, uh, whether it be for food fish, which you know feed humans, or bait fish to uh, for fishing industry, or stocking where people are stocking into their ponds to sustain the ecosystem. There. So you mentioned the tilapia, yellow perch. Uh... I know that mussels and even oysters, I guess, are in the equation too. But uh, when you look at the rank of what has grown the most, is shrimp at the top? Shrimp is not at the top. I oh. believe we, uh, our uh, facility produces most of the shrimp in the state. Um, but the, the one that, ones at the top will be tilapia. Um, and uh, it's a crisscross with yellow perch. Uh, but tilapia, yellow perch, hybrid striped bass, uh, those three kind of uh, top it out and uh, you got the sunfish and various bluegills as well. Um, the state actually produces a lot of fish as well, um, but we don't really um, know exactly what they're always up to. But normally if you're driving on 70 on the east side near Hebron, you can see those large rectangular ponds there. So we talked about uh, the types of fish. Now, the, the fish are grown both indoors and outdoors. Uh, and there are obviously major advantage uh, to especially the indoor uh, methods. So we've got tanks, we've got recirculation type systems engaged. And I know that you primarily are, you're an indoor operation, correct? Correct. So tell us a little bit more about the, how the recirculation system works. Sure. Uh, so we don't uh, throw out any of the water. Uh, the water comes in from a well. It's well fil filtered with a carbon filter and an iron filter uh, and given to the shrimp. Um, and uh, we recirculate it. The shrimp are in a mutually beneficial relationship with the bioflock. So we use bioflock recirculating aquaculture system uh, where the bacteria in the water support the uh, survival and the environment for the shrimp. So the shrimp, they eat, they poop ammonia spikes. Uh, the uh, the uh, bacteria, the bioflock basically convert that ammonia, which is toxic to nitrite and then nitrate. 
And then we filter that out through a settling tank and use that as fertilizer. Uh, so the only real thing we take out is uh, some of the uh, nitrate. That's basically nutrition and uh, think marigrow for plants. Um, and then uh, maybe some additional water. We do lose some water to evaporation about three to five percent a year. So how large are these are these tanks that you have? So uh, we use circular tanks. Again, some species do better in circular than rectangular. Actually, our nursery are all rectangular tanks of about 1,300 gallons. Uh, they're about uh, eight foot by five foot in, um, in when it comes to the distance. And then it's about 33 to 36 inches tall in water. Now, for the grow out and intermediate, those are 14 foot to 18 foot diameter circular tanks. And we like our tanks being uh, about 32 inches of water. Okay. And what's the primary feed of the shrimp? Uh, the feed, uh, we work with a various number of companies, including Ziegler, Cargill, uh, Ajinomoto, um, for feeding shrimp. Most of it consists of um, fish meal. So think about all of the fish that get carved up. Uh, no one eats the heads of fish and stuff like that. Uh, that's dried out and carved up into, to make fish meal. And of course, um, that's something we're still working on. We're still working on using soy or using cornmeal instead to supplement the fish meal. Um, you know, killing fish to feed fish doesn't really make a lot of sense. Uh, so th that's the next step moving forward is adjusting the feed. So two questions here related to feed again, how much feed per day per shrimp on average? And then the second part of that would be, what about the growth rate of the shrimp themselves? Ooh, uh, well, it really depends. And when you say on per shrimp on average, uh, they don't really, they really <laughs> get maybe a small 1.5 millimeter sized pellet and they can, one shrimp can eat that all day, but I, the food kind of gets dispersed. Um, but we normally go through for about an eight tank system. We normally go through half, half a bag. So about, uh, I, I would say 25 pounds of feed a day. Um, but these are our larger tanks. These are our 18 foot diameter tanks. Um, and then uh, your second question, uh, sorry, Pete, what, what was your second question? <laughs> well, again, uh, you know, we, we talked about how, what do they eat? How, 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 how fast do they actually grow? I guess that's another, oh, okay. question, another question. Well, it, shrimp grow on an asymptotal curve. So when they're younger uh, from the larval stages, they grow much faster. Uh, and then it kind of, picks off once they're around about 18 grams each. Um, so uh, do we try to do two grams a week? That's the optimal growth curve. Um, but again, like it's anywhere between, I would say one and two grams per week, we would be uh, where it's at, depending on how old the shrimp is. Very good. Now I know when you started this whole operation, many, many challenges and many, many variables and things that you had to deal with uh, environmentally, water quality, uh, pH level. Uh, are these some of the challenges? And what are some of the other challenges uh, that you encountered starting up? Uh, starting up, uh, definitely the survival rate's not going to be the 80 plus percent that everyone needs it at. That's why a lot of these farms that these large money shrimp farms go out is because that they put all their money in and then realize that they're going to have a 30% survival rate the first time around. And that's not sustainable. Think about making a hundred light bulbs, but you can only sell 30 of them, but you still have the labor of doing all the hundred. Right. 
So it's not very sustainable on the optimal level. Again, we're a more of a batch system. We'll get, we can handle that loss in the beginning. And then the next batch will be higher and then it'll be higher and it'll be higher um, because of the limited number of people we hire and limited people management, right? Uh, that's the challenge about survival. Uh, and then water quality is always going to be an issue uh, because you're really trying to manipulate the ocean environment and no one manipulates Mother Nature better than Mother Nature. Um, and uh, no one's been able to match that perfectly yet. Uh, of course, uh, our water has been really good. The bacteria does a really good job, but every once in a while, we check it every single day uh, for the most part. And for our older tanks that's been in circulation water that's been used for six years, uh, we check at least once every two weeks now because it's so stable. And I would assume also that labor costs when you start up an operation like this, when you're talking about the tanks and the equipment that you need, it's not exactly cheap either, is it? No, labor costs in this country uh, is really high compared to other countries. That's why you see a lot of shrimp farms in Vietnam, Indonesia, China, where traditionally the labor rate is at least a sixth of what it is here. Um, uh, you know, cleaning tanks, harvesting the shrimp, which is a tough job in itself. Um, it's very labor intensive. Uh, I've seen some machines, uh, some companies trying to do an automated system. It's just really, really hard. I know we talk about the restaurant industry and how there's labor shortage and there's all these robots there now, but it's just very, very uh, not conducive to using robots right now. Gotcha. After you uh, raised the shrimp, you got into starting growing and raising uh, some other uh, aquatic marine uh, life. Uh, you got into, I believe, tilapia, right? Did you get, did yeah, you get... we still raise tilapia. And what about the yellow perch? Yeah, we still raise uh, yellow perch, but normally we buy them a little bit bigger and then we just use it in our aquaponic setup. So it's not to commercial scale. We just partner with uh, local yellow perch farmers and tilapia farmers within a our drive of me in Columbus, uh, we have three yellow perch producers and uh, four tilapia farmers. So that's another thing that we get into that even if we can't supply it, we can source it to them and help everyone else in the industry as well. Are the challenges with growing yellow perch and tilapia a lot different than they are with raising the shrimp? Yes, uh, for shrimp, it's mostly water quality. Uh, for tilapia, their water quality doesn't have to be as great, but um, depending on how you feed them and what feed you use, and they have a lot more different feeds, uh, it affects how fast they grow. So tilapia can grow really, really fast with the right feed. Now, we've been to a lot of places where they're, feed, they're feeding the, them not enough and they're not fattening up enough. Now, yellow perch, it's harder because yellow perch is... Um, hard to grow in tanks at the size you see at Lake Erie. Everyone wants the two pound, three pound, four pound yellow perch, but the most we would be able to produce is about one and a quarter. And one and a quarter doesn't really produce a really nice filet, for example, which all Americans really want. Of course. Has the demand then for all of these products uh, increased a lot the last few years? Have you seen a dramatic increase in consumer demand? Yes, uh, in all three, and especially during the pandemic, people are looking for domestically sourced products um, and stuff that they can see with their own eyes. Um, and not only for consumption, but especially for yellow perch and tilapia, there's been, been a big demand for them to be stocking fish. So uh, yellow perch are stocked a lot. 
uh, you make more money selling yellow perch to stock someone's pond than to feed someone right now. Um, and then uh, with tilapia, they're a very inexpensive way to control algae. So you can sell it to a pond and it eats up all the yellow, uh, all the green gunk at the top of the uh, water level. So it's basically your vacuum cleaner. Right. <laughs> That's what you're saying. Well, what about the, the this is a consumer type question. What about the actual taste of the fish uh, in a farm setting versus wild fish? Any, any real difference there? So when you talk about wild fish, uh, there's a lot of different variables. And when you talk about farm, there's a lot of different variables. So wild caught on the grocery bag can mean salmon that's really wild caught, right? Or it could be salmon farmed in cages off the coast of Washington. Um, you know, those are interchangeable. It's about which one is better. Uh, and we both know which one's better. Uh, but then for farm, uh, farmed shrimp like we do it, where it's very clean and they have separation and the right feed, or farmed in, in another country like Vietnam, which has lower quality standards. Um, that's two different kinds of farm. But for the most part, uh, people come into our restaurant or wh whether they buy our shrimp to take home to eat, they can taste the difference right away. They understand our product, you know, we currently sell it for $20 a pound. Uh, it's more expensive uh, than the three, four, five dollar a pound that they see in the store, but they can taste the difference. Same thing with tilapia. Our chef uh, hates tilapia. He is a garbage fish, but we gave him some of our tilapia. He can't believe that's really tilapia. Um, so we're just trying to rewrite the book about what, uh, you know, uh, cheap shrimp is compared to what our shrimp is and cheap tilapia is compared to what we have. Now, yellow perch, it's just as clean, if not cleaner than the stuff you get in Lake Erie. Well, bottom line here, it sounds to me like overall the quality control mechanisms that you're able to put in place in that controlled environment, you're wiping out a lot of other things that you would have in the natural environment that would come into play. So again, impacts the overall quality of the product itself. Well, right now it's time to salute our outstanding show partners that make this program possible. That includes the Liberty National Bank of Marysville, Ohio, the Central Ohio Farm Bureau of Union, Madison, Delaware, and Franklin Counties, Utsi's Farm Market of Plain City, and the Ohio Ecological Food and Farm Association. You'll find great products and services at all of our show partners. Well, Ashton, this is a very exciting time for you. You recently launched your brand new restaurant in the Polaris section of Columbus, Ohio, Ashton's Seafood. And you have a, a grocery market part of that too, as well, that you're getting ready to get going. Now, you don't hear of many establishments that are seafood farm to table right now in Ohio. Uh, is this an evolving feel? Are you in at the ground floor of this? I, I think so. Um, I, I, I uh, you know, we didn't get into a restaurant uh, uh, just because, oh, we let's get into a restaurant and willy-nilly into it. Um, our family has 39 years of restaurant experience um, owning uh, Chinese restaurants. Of course, Chinese restaurants are different from our American concept right now. Uh, but I think combining uh, the, the farm reputation we have for quality and our restaurant uh, expertise, it makes a lot of sense. And I don't think a lot of people are able to capitalize on that. Um, and we're going to do it uh, not only to help ourselves, but kind of um, support farmers as well. Um, people ask me, why do I do this when I have a corporate job as well? Um, I I'm tired of seeing my fellow farmers get six to seven cents on a dollar of whatever you spend at Kroger. Uh, the app doesn't matter what you buy, whether it be asparagus, uh, broccoli. Normally it goes through five to six distributors 
from the farmer to your table and uh, they're they're making more money than the farmer themselves, which to me is ridiculous. Uh, and through having my own restaurant, I help that alleviate that, cut out the middlemen, um, and uh, honestly give them a better voice. A lot of these farm to table restaurants you see out there are not truly farm to table. They just say farm to table so that they can jack jack up their price 16 to 20% on the expense of the farmer. Um, well, we're actually farmers. We're the, a farmer owned restaurant. So you are yeah, the that's... real, you're the real deal. Right. Expl explanation. Right. Well, there obviously are a lot of issues and we could take a whole show, talk about the next thing I'm going to ask you, but when you start up a brand new restaurant, especially a specialty restaurant like you're, what, that you have, I can only imagine uh, the mega amount of, of challenges and things that you had to deal with. Just a quick comment on that. Yeah, it's definitely been challenging. We're still in the pandemic. That's been tough. Uh, we've had to pivot a few times, uh, uh, especially with delivery um, and opening the grocery a little earlier than I expected. Uh, we actually started delivering groceries on Grubhub and DoorDash and all that stuff. And we also have a grocery store, like you mentioned, where people understand right now, every dollar has to go a little further. Um, and it's cheaper to buy the fresh ingredients and take it home and cook it themselves, you know, boil a blue crab, uh, boil some crab legs, that kind of stuff. So we're able to do that. So um, you don't, if you don't like our cooking and you want to stay, save a little money, you can come to our grocery store. We'll sell you the same quality ingredients um, that go into our meal. Now, as you were getting started here, was there any really one thing that really uh, surprised you that kind of took you back a, a little bit here? Um, just uh, it's, it's definitely been a little harder during the pandemic than I thought. Um, but we know people are very interested in what we do. They just can't come out because of uh, it's still holiday season um, and uh, it's still COVID with the new Omicron spike. Uh, so we're just being patient um and kind of pivoting and making sure uh we are there for you when you guys are safe to travel again right now the restaurant uh, is uh, just serving dinner still correct we're serving dinner wednesday through sunday uh four to nine uh we will have our alcohol license shortly we have a very nice bar so we'll have happy hour we'll eventually open for lunch and then tomorrow like i said we're opening our grocery store so you can walk in and buy and we also have a hot and go uh, to go lunches options uh, there as well. Um, so uh, trying to do whatever we can um, to uh, support our farmers, because when we're not buying product, uh, that hurts our farmers, too. Absolutely. What are about two or three of the, of the top uh, dinner sellers right now? I was looking through your menu there. There's, there's a lot of good things there. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I, I hate people um, thinking we're only a seafood restaurant. We're really well known for our pork chops. Um, our local pork chops, really good. Our filet mignon with the potato layer, awesome. Uh, we've known for our cocktail shrimp, of course, with our farm shrimp. Uh, people say uh, we could bottle that cocktail sauce we make in-house. Uh, people were licking them off the plates. Um, <laughs> And then uh, people really like our oysters. They said we have the best oysters in town. So, but we're going to hang our hat on having the only place you can get our shrimp. No other restaurant has our shrimp in the city. Uh, we cut them all off and it's really unique, you know, being in a competitive space saying we have the best shrimp in town. No there you go. What. That's your signature item. Right. Very good. Now, What's been the most rewarding part of this venture to date? 
I know it's early in the game, but is there anything that really stands out? Well, uh, I've definitely become a much better cook myself. Um, my, my dad has, you know, helped me a lot. But um, when you come in, I can cook anything for you now, which is always good. And I'm sure my girlfriend appreciates that moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also learned a lot of um, lessons about life, how it's not as easy as you think it will be, um, which I, like I said, I expected to be tough, but not this tough. Every day, learning new things that you can incorporate and continuing to build forward to enhance uh, your overall product and the service delivery. Right. Well, there's a lot of great resources that are out there for those that are in aquaculture and for those folks that are interested in general, both Ohio and nationally. Now, I know that you are a trustee and have been for many years now, I believe, with the Ohio Aquaculture Association. What's the uh, mission of the association? The mission is to expand aquaculture within the state and within the region as well. We do work with neighboring states and organizations. Um, but like I said, we'll, we produce 28 different species of, of seafood in Ohio. You don't have to go to the ocean to get it or New York or a bigger metropolitan area to get it. There, A lot of it is from Ohio. People just don't know about it. Um, and we just want to grow the number of people. And much like other industries in agriculture, uh, the average age of a farmer is really high. Uh, right now, it's 58 years old. Obviously, I'm an anomaly. I'm turning 29 in two weeks. <laughs> um, but uh, we need more people involved in the industry. Um, and we need more attention to this industry. Uh, and you can see some investments coming in in the billions of dollars uh, into this industry because uh, people are going to eat. And... Um, that's the next phase. We can't overfish and over pollute the ocean anymore. We, we need to eat more seafood um, and feed more people. So uh, that's our goal is to get more people involved in the industry. And providing a variety of great supports and resources uh, to all those that become a part of the Ohio Ecological, I'm sorry, the Ohio Aquaculture Association. And your signature conference is coming up on January 28th and 29th at the Quest Conference Center in Westerville, Ohio. Give us a brief overview of the conference. Yeah, uh, it's some of it's going to be virtual this year, unfortunately, because of Omicron. Um, but uh, it, it's going to be just a two-day conference, a lot of um, resources coming in, a lot of networking within the industry and uh, that interstate as well. Uh, we have the ODNR come in there as well. Uh, we have producers like myself come in there so you can network with us. Um, and it's right down the street from the restaurant. So we actually have a HACCP training about uh, fish processing as well. And uh, they'll be coming over to my restaurant for lunch as well. So uh, just a lot of networking. If you're interested in aquaculture, uh, please re uh, consider um, uh, attending and you can check out the website to register. And we will post the website for the Ohio Aquaculture Association on That's Agritastic Facebook page a little bit later today, as well as some national resources such as the U.S. Aquaculture Organization as well. Somebody wants to become a member of the Ohio uh, Aquaculture Association. Is it going through the website the best way to do that? That is correct. Okay. And I also noticed that you are a presenter at the conference. Uh, yeah, uh, well, not a presenter, more as a um, someone um, in the room to kind of make sure the conversation keeps going. But 
uh, a proctor, if you will, um, and try to make sure everything's going smoothly. Being a trustee, we do have some responsibilities. <laughs> exactly. Making sure that everything flows smoothly and swims right along. Right. So, uh, Ashton, I know that we could continue our conversation for several more hours on the topics uh, that we're talking about here, but the show clock is ticking, and I don't know how to stop that clock. If I could, I would do it right now. But uh, put out your primary social media sites for us. Sure. Uh, so the farm, the Oceans for an Aquaculture, does have a Facebook page, its own website. Um, Facebook is www.tofaqua.com. And then the Facebook site is facebook.com slash tofaqua. And then we have the restaurant that's associated, Ashton Seafood House. Uh, website is www.ashtonseafood.com. We're also on facebook.com slash Ashton Seafood. And we also have an IG page if you want all those foodie galore photos um, on there as well. So, um, but yeah, that, that's the extent of our social media. Best way to contact you directly? Uh, me directly, uh, it would be through either one of those websites uh, and uh, just put it in. And normally I see them as well as I skim through. But uh, if you need to talk to me directly, you can just say, I, I, I want to talk to Ashton and I'll reach out from there. Perfect. Hey, when you look to the future, uh, both in Ohio and uh, nationally, what do you see happening in the next three to five years? Is this going to continue to evolve to even a higher levels of engagement, a higher amount of aquaculture uh, farms across the country? What's going to happen? What, what's your forecast here? Uh, I believe so. Uh, we will have, uh, they're starting the salmon farm in Ohio in 2023. Uh, and I know that Indiana is also doing some work. Kentucky is also doing some work. Maine and uh, California are also in the running. So there's a lot of money being thrown around uh, for the aquaculture space. The people realize uh, the source is dwindling when it comes to truly wild um, and people aren't going to stop eating seafood. So uh, th there's uh, potential there and, and a lot of investments going into it. So I see more farms coming up. Um, as to how successful they will be um, is the question. Um, I haven't seen a lot of successful large conglomerate farms. Uh, they usually fall, on, fall down. Uh, but the batch system like mine, a smaller facility does work, family owned um, within a region. Uh, I'll see more of those farms as well. Um, but I, I could see the continued growth of the local food revolution. And final message, any other final messaging point that you want to leave out here to listeners in general? Well, uh, a lot of our listeners uh, all over the place, I'm sure there are, is a local farmer out there within, um, you know, 15, 20 minutes you can visit, but um, definitely go, go out and take a look at all, all around you, uh, what's produced locally and see if you can reduce the carbon footprint by eating food that's closer to you. Uh, instead of across the country or in, from another country and supporting, truly supporting local farmers, uh, which are the backbone of this country. And everybody wins when you do that. Ashton, can't thank you again enough for your time and professional talent coming on the show and really sharing so much value out of the information on aquaculture 
in Ohio and across the country. Hey, wish you much continued success with both the Ocean's, Ocean's Friend LLC Farm and your new Ashton Seafood Restaurant and store in Columbus. Hey, and I look forward to talking to you again uh, soon. And as we wrap up, we'd like to acknowledge all of our outstanding show partners that make this program possible. That includes Liberty National Bank of Marysville, Ohio, providing great rates for ag, commercial, and residential loans combined with highly personalized customer service. Check them out today at Liberty Bank slash Office Marysville, the Central Ohio Farm Bureau of Union, Madison, Delaware, and Franklin Counties, a grassroots membership organization dedicated to sustaining and growing agriculture through policy advocacy, professional development, resource provisions, and outstanding customer benefits. Find them on Facebook at Central Ohio Farm Bureau. For more information, contact Melinda Lee, Organization Director, mlee at ofbf.org. That's mlee at ofbf. Utsi's Farm Market of Plain City, Ohio. It's your one-stop shop market for all your favorite Amish cheeses, deli meats, baked goods, fresh farm produce, and more. They're open Monday to Saturday, 9 to 5. They're on Converse Half Road off of Route 42 in Plain City. Be sure to order online. Check them out online at utsi'sfarmmarket.com. That's utsi'sfarmmarket.com and on Facebook. Utsi's Farm Market. It's worth the drive and the Ohio Ecological Food and Farm Association, cultivating a future in which sustainable and organic farmers thrive. Local food nourishes our communities and ag practices protect and enhance our environment. Now is the perfect time to become a member, especially with the 43rd annual conference coming up in mid-February and the organization offering organic certification, educational events, and additional technical support to grow and sustain your farm. Go to oeffa.org. That's OEFFA.org. Your patronage and support of all of our show partners makes a huge positive difference. Well, join us again as we continue our ag journey across the country on January 26th as we stop in with the Ohio Ecological Food and Farm Association and get the scoop on their renowned February conference with special guest Riley Wright, Communications Director. You can follow us on Facebook at That's Agritastic for all show details, important ag announcements, and events. Until the next time, this is Pete Emmons saying, make it an agritastic week.